Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God pastor of a church but it's really been a movement in the kind of the movement we came from um, he says we believe in the liturgy and the shout and there's something beautiful about when um, you can see the beauty in the history of Christianity as well as in the shout or the new things of Christianity and I just love being a part of a community that sees beauty in the sacred and and some of the other things that we believe are true so I just I love that we do it for some of you it's uncomfortable for some of you it's like yes that's what, exactly what we need but in the end, um, the Spirit of God is alive, He is living, and He is in our midst. And also the community of the historical Jesus forever has been carrying this tradition all the way to us. And there's something to be said about that, that beauty. And so I'm going to pray, Father, that today as I preach, that you would speak through me, that you would give me uh, words of wisdom from you and not from me. Don't let me try and appear a certain way. Don't let me try and act like I'm smarter than I is. Help me to just be who I am today. I pray that I would just, I would just find my joy as I do this and who you say I am and how you view me, God. That Even when I stumble my knee and even when I hit home runs, you love me this exact same way. And I want to find my joy in that. So let this just be an outflow of what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week I preached on... Um, um, being in the boat with Jesus and how he's our peace in the boat. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was kind of a strong message in terms of like it's one of those things you might have to walk through. And I realized after I preached, I'm about to have to walk through that. And I've, I've never had as many comments from people that have said, oh, I definitely was in that situation this past week. And so it was a little bit heavy, but a little bit good to know that Jesus is definitely the center of our attention in any situation and that he is present always with us and that's peace to know that he is peace and to keep our eyes on him this week is joy and if I'm honest with you this is the one for me that is easily the most unfamiliar 
easily for me joy out of these four things is next week's love i'm gonna be all over that because i understand the love of christ i understand how it pursued me i understand that it was a choice his agape love his selflessness it's this week is hard for me and i think if i look back at seasons of my life like when i was first saved i was saved under and this was a personal affliction nobody did this to me i felt like a good christian man was always happy and joyful and howdly doodly do how you doing? Welcome to church. It's good to see you. Um, and I really, as funny as that sounds, I really struggled with feeling like that's who I needed to be. And, and I tried to be it. And I would go through seasons where when I was around people, it would feel great. And then I would get by myself and I would just feel awful. You know, and then there were seasons where I really wanted the joy of the Lord. And I wanted to feel, I needed to feel this feeling. You know, I had to have this feeling. I needed to be overwhelmed by this feeling. I know, you know, like, that God is with me and he fills us and so we can feel his presence and a lot of times in worship that's one of the easiest things for us because you know we have good feelings when we sing together and and really craving that and so I listened to a message and I studied on a guy that I really appreciate a few years ago about joy and what he the concept of what he said about joy will never leave me and I will never forget it. It's been, it rewrote my theology on joy. And so I'm going to share some of the passages that he spoke from today and, and add in what I feel like the Lord's doing. Um, yesterday, yesterday morning, we were over at this building, which is the community center. If you guys all look over there, community center right there in Smyrna. Over there, community library. In the center, like this is where everything happens in our city. It's awesome. We were there yesterday, and Lathy had, um, she's in a hip-hop class. You know, probably already knew that we were probably getting our kids in hip-hop just by the way that I appear, you know what I'm saying? So she's in there, and there's five other groups and kids coming out, and they had half as many seats as they had people, and we were like on top of each other. And Lathy came out, and she killed it. And it was like four minutes long. I mean, she's doing stuff. She, she did this thing, <laughs> and they integrated it in. She's six, and she did it right. But she did for like four minutes. They're like doing all they did a Michael Jackson song, um, all this, and it was like really good, and I, I was, I filmed the whole thing, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's actually really good at this, really good, I'm not at all good at, at like dancing and such, I hate it in front of people, um, but I, I remember like when she left, I was like, man, and I could see in her face, she saw us, she heard the cheers, and she was walking off, she was like, like the biggest lathy smile you've ever seen, so she experienced like extreme amount of joy from that, and then there was a girl that came after, or right before and their whole group comes out, and she, she gets out, and she looks at the crowd, and she's like, <gasps> and she runs to her mom and sits in her mom's lap and does not get back. Even mom, mom even got up there with her and was like trying to do the dance with her, and she was like, no, no, not. And the look on her face was quite different than Lathy's. And it just made me think about how even for us, like, the way that we receive joy a lot of times has to do with how we are doing and how well we've done. I'll even be honest with you. If you guys come up to me and tell me, that was a great message, brother or pastor or bishop or deacon or prophet or whatever you want to call me, I'm none of those things. It's hard for me. Like, I'm fed by that. I leave and I'm like, I'm probably really good at this. This is awesome. But then I have my wife in my life. <laughs> I'm like, how do you feel like I did today? And she's like, listen. I am not in the mood to talk about this right now. <laughs> That's how I perceive what she says. She's not really. She's always encouraging. 
But I really, like, I ride and fall on, I think if we're honest, like, we can see it in pastors that do it, but honestly, all of us, how well we do at something, you know. And that's ingrained in us. It's our school system. It's the way we do sports. That's why people are giving everybody trophies. You all get a trophy today for participating in church. Um, so I know that there's a deeper kind of joy that's not even experiential, but in seasons where I've done really well, people have been in my life that don't over, you know, clap. And then seasons where I've done really poorly, there are people that have been in my life that have been there in both seasons and haven't over-responded to either one. There's been people when I've done really badly that have definitely checked out of my life. And there's been people in my life when I've done really well that I have probably distanced myself from because I am better than them. Or that would probably be what it came across as. But there are those people in our lives that are there through awful and through awesome. And somehow knowing that those people are there through both provides a type of joy that is different than when you do a good dance. And those are the people that we call. Those are the people that we want to be around. Those are the people that we strive to be. To be. My parents are here. My dad is in the back. Um, he probably prayed for you this morning for far or for fire, as he would say. Um, he was there through all of it, everything. He was there when, when, I was, um, when I was ejected from the Cobb County school system. He was there when I was um, extracted. Use really crazy words to make it sound worse. Was extracted from three high schools. He was there. When I was getting on a plane to go to a rehab in Utah, he was there. When I was graduating Lee University, he was there. When I preached my first sermon, he was there. I actually went to seminary, he was there. He went to seminary with me. <laughs> he actually went to seminary with me. He, he did graduate. He did. So I want to I bring your thoughts to today, you know, wherever you happen to be in life right now. Like in this season, as we anticipate Christ's return, he's already returned, but he's returning. It's significant to know that he's returning always as we're being saved always. Sozo, the word for that, is a continual thing. It's not a one-time thing. And so... It's important to know that um, there's a Jesus or a God who actually loves you even when Scripture tells you you've done everything wrong. Baffling. And then there's a Jesus who loves you when you love yourself too much. And you're too much in the center of the attention. I want you guys to open your, your Bibles to Nehemiah 8, chapter 8. I want to read you a passage, 15 verses. Okay, they've got the word now, and they're trying to bring it to a community. This passage for me, this is one of the most overpopularized scriptures there is. You've all heard it. This is the one where the joy of the Lord is your strength. You've all, raise your hand if you've heard that. We all know it. The word there for joy is chedra. Everybody say chedra. Say, give me some chedra. See what I'm saying? Nobody wants to do that? It's all right. Sarah, will you say, give me some chedra? You're not doing it. <laughs> give me chedra? Nehemiah chapter 8, a very familiarized passage, but something happens here that is baffling and beautiful altogether, and so I want to read this to you. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. You think I'm long-winded. 
Daybreak till noon, scripture only, no interpretation. That's what these guys were legit. Actually, they believe like one-fourth of your day should be, as a priest, you should be reading scripture one-fourth of your day. Six hours. That's, is that right? Six hours, one-fourth of the day? Yeah. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the, like you guys do when I'm preaching. It's exactly the same. Super attentive, really invested. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood, I'm going to butcher half of these. You love me, I love you. Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Melchizedek, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. (laughs) That's awesome. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, we're going to say Jamin because... That's an awesome name. Jamin, Akub, Shabbathiah. Sarah, all I hear is your voice in my head right now. Hodiah, Maseah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while they were. So here's what, let me just recap. They read it aloud once to the whole community, and then somebody came to give kind of an interpretation after of what was happening while the people were still standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn and weep and listen to these words. For all the people had been weeping As they listened to the words of the law, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, the second time, for this day is holy. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priest and the Levites, gathered around Ezra. This is the next day, the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They're coming back again to hear the word. They found written in the law which that which the Lord hath commanded through Moses that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, go out to the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. So here's why this is a very fascinating passage. They hear the reading of the word And without anyone interpreting it, they realize they are in sin and are failing. So they hear the first reading of the word and are, they're mourning so deeply 
that everybody there is weeping. I've never been in a service or a group of people where the mourning was so thick that everybody's weeping. Just imagine looking around this room and everybody is like gasping, child crying, like, like can't get your breath, weeping. And he's, because they should be, first of all, they are not living according to the word. So rightly so in their interpretation, we should be mourning, we are not. But three times they're told, do not mourn, for this day is holy, which is baffling, because their first read was correct. So what's being said here and what's being done in this passage? They're trying to teach them that even your first reading of Scripture and God is wrong without his interpretation. So even in a situation where there is distinct separation from you and what you should be doing, the appropriate response in this passage is to not mourn of it. Baffling, because we know that there are scriptures that say, mourn if you're in sin, weep. So what's the purpose here? He's trying to teach them how to see what's happening and train themselves to see what the Lord says about it. So he has to tell them, make joy. As you're weeping, stop weeping and make joy. I don't, see, see my interpretation of joy is a feeling that I feel. Here they're told, make joy. And how do you make joy? Invite people into your homes. What? Give food to people who need food. And my greatest thought here is that, that I can possibly connect is when we are celebrating and when life is so good, those are just natural things. Oh, yes, life is great. Come live with me. Oh, yes, we have plenty. I'll give to you. He's saying, you're not feeling that right now? You're rightly looking at Scripture and seeing that you have failed? Don't do that. In fact, this day is holy. This day is holy where you are far away from what you're supposed to be doing, so much so that you're weeping. This day is holy. Make joy, for the joy of the Lord is yours. So that word again, joy, what is it? It's called chedra. Everybody say chedra. This is the sole possession of Yahweh. This is not something that you possess. Chedra, the joy spoke of here, this is the joy that when he sees you, this is what he feels towards you. It has nothing to do with how you feel. So if you're like me and you go places looking for a feeling, I don't even think that's wrong. It's just not the point. It's just not the point. How good you feel about your walk with Christ will not get you through if you're sitting in a hospital room. How good you feel, how bad you feel about how poorly you've done in your walk with Christ is not enough to separate you from the love of God. That's going to baffle some of your minds and it should. Because he looks at you when you're distant. He looks at you when rightly so, you have failed. He looks at you when you are far away from what the word says. And you've read the word correctly. And he asks you to step back and he says, I'm going to show you how to read this word. This is why I think the word is alive. This is why you cannot read the word without the Holy Spirit. It is not a book of facts you just look at and take it and leave. You have to interact with it as it is your Savior. It is your Savior. The word of God is alive. He became flesh. And so when you read the word, it is not just gathering facts. It is trying to show you something every time. And it has to be given to you through the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit shows you how to read it. But here he says to them, this day is holy. You have failed. You're not allowed to mourn. In fact, when you don't feel it, I'm asking you to make joy. This has got to be encouraging for somebody. Somebody who feels like you are just far away from where you're supposed to be. And you've read the situation right. And I'm talking to those people like me who actually do the sins. Not, I accidentally did this today. We know we choose things, right? That's who this passage is talking to. Mourning and weeping maybe is our posture and our spirit. And he sing, we, we did a scripture reading. He sings over you. Because he does not base how he looks at you on your performance. So what happens? He teaches them how to reread their situation. He teaches them that your first reading is usually not correct. If it's in the natural, it's not correct. And then he says, come back the next day. And on the next day, they start it all over again. Another six hours of Bible reading, just like us. Just like we did all week, right guys? Did anybody in here read the Bible six hours total this week? Other than me. (laughs) And then they come back because they have now been trained how to read Scripture. Not through your own natural eyes, but through the eyes of your Savior. If you try and go into the Word without the Savior's grace and without the Savior's joy, it will consume you. And many people have been consumed by it. And here's why. The joy of the Lord is eternal. Sorrow is only for this world. The joy of the Lord will be there forever. And you can't even understand sorrow without having it in context with joy. Because joy is eternal and forever. Then you can sorrow correctly. So after you, you grasp the knowledge of sorrowing and joy, joy correctly, you can, you can go back to the Word, and it can even pierce your heart in such a way that makes you want to weep. But on the foundation of joy, it'll be beautiful. That's when conviction starts to feel like love. Without it, that's when conviction starts to feel like condemnation. So he says to us, this day is holy. Imagine that. You, many of you this week, have done things this maybe today right now in your mind you're doing something you shouldn't be doing imagine in the context of knowing i the lord's voice piercing in and saying just think about that situation you were in the room you were in the people you were around this day is holy this day is holy for the joy of the lord is yours what would that do even when caught what would that do if you know that When you sin, his joy trumps the brokenness you have when you read the word. Then you can be broken and it can be beautiful. That just got serious. So he says, make joy. Sometimes we have to make joy when we don't feel it. And this is not about being fake because I am the last person who wants to be fake in the world. If we're really struggling with it, let's be honest about it. If we really need help, let's be honest about it. Let's get in life groups and be open. But sometimes you have to make joy. And you have to make room for the things that are good and beautiful and holy, even when you don't feel it. And if you're waiting to feel it, you might wait till the end of the earth. Because Christianity is not about a feeling. It's not. It's about an agape love, which you'll hear about next week, that chooses to approach us. So, fast forward. Everybody turn to Luke chapter 10. In the New Testament, 
there's a passage that is also equally baffling. And I'm going to read it to you. This is, this is a little bit longer, so as you get there. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. That is a theology wrecker right there. We're not even going to stop there. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Also, theology wreckers right there. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. I'm just going to say this. I'm not even going to say it. Whenever you're on a mission trip and you're supposed to eat everything you're supposed to eat, That's a real test if you love the Lord. Because somebody gave me a throat one time to eat. A throat. (laughs) When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them. All right, let me get you back. I'm sorry. That was me. That's all on me. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Heal the sick who are there. Just go heal the sick. He's not like try and heal the sick. By the way, at the end of this service, we're going to pray for healing. God wants to heal some people here today. I believe that. We're going to do that at the end. Even the dust, no, I'm sorry, but when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as, as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the, on the judgment than for you. Now, this is where I want you to really hone in. This is, this is where we're landing. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted into the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever, reject, whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy that all this junk just happened. It happened. They went and did this. So they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What? I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice or make joy that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And we're going to end on, on this. In a time where they should be bragging, where boasting should be, people were healed, demons were driven out. They show up to Jesus. We demons were cast out because of us. And Jesus' response is the opposite to what happened in Nehemiah, where he said, this day is holy, make joy. Here he says, do not make joy in this. Do not make joy in how effective you are in ministry. Do not make joy if all the things I told you in the New Testament, you're seeing them happen. It feels like we should make joy about that stuff. Salvations, if somebody gets healed near me, I'm making joy. It's going to be natural, hopefully. I'm going to be pumped. Do not make joy when demons are driven out, when people are healed. But make joy that your name is written in his book. So it's kind of a crazy doc- stuff's happening here. Jesus is showing all of us, like it says in Isaiah 49, your names are basically tattooed in my hand. And at the end of the day, if you allow how bad you're doing be the cause of, of pain or the lack of joy, or how good you're doing be the cause of your joy, you're going to fall. And so it baffled me at first when he mentioned Satan fall. I was like, come on, you're just dropping a Jesus bomb on us. Nobody understands. Quit it. Why would he mention? Because he was the man before this. In whatever form he was, Satan was awesome. And he cites him instantly after they talk about what they just did. I saw Satan fall from heaven. You don't think you can fall from where you're at? You want to fall quickly? What comes before a fall? And for us in the spirit, how much pride do we take in how good we do for the Lord? Because it's right. You know, like we're supposed to do good for the Lord. If you're going to take pride in something, maybe that is good. He says, no. Even Satan, a prized angel, fell from where he was. So even us, don't make joy in how good you are at what God has given you to do. Make joy that he knows you. You are known. You are known. He thinks of you. He has tattooed your name on his hand. You are known. You are known when you struggle. You are known when you succeed. He is your father when you struggle. He is your father when you succeed. If you can make joy in that, you can do anything for the Lord. You can sit on a hospital bed or you can see people raised from the dead. Make joy that your name is written on his hand. Make joy in the right things and all have access to him. So today as we, as we, as we talk about joy, as the word breaks you and you're broken and you read it or you avoid it because it's true, because you have fallen short of the glory of God and because you have struggled and sinned and because that same sin keeps coming back even if you don't want to struggle with it. Make joy that the Lord is singing over you and dancing over you and is for you, not against you. And for those of us who believe in all things of the Spirit and we pray fire, 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 fall 
everywhere be consumed. I want to give you two interesting facts about the Holy Spirit. It's the only of the Trinity that has no figure because it doesn't need to be seen. It exists to point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't even have a seeable, and if you want to talk about a seeable presence, it's fire. And it's not fire from you to them. What does fire do to who it's on? Consumes you. So even if it has an appearance, its very nature is fire, consumes the appearance. So if we pray about a fire coming, I want to see the Holy Spirit spread across this nation. But it starts with the consumption of whatever ego I have first. So if we want to talk about the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fall, Holy Spirit come, you got to know what you're praying for. You're praying for self-control. You're praying for patience. You're praying for wisdom. You're praying for selflessness. You're praying to not be seen, and if you are seen, all you're doing is pointing people to Jesus. So we want to talk about the Holy Spirit-filled church. I believe that's what this is. But if we're not pointing people to Jesus, what are we pointing people to? Because what if we're pointing to how we drive out demons in your name? Jesus is not at the end of that road waiting for them to hug them and love them into the kingdom. So maybe today, if you're feeling really good about yourself and the Spirit, maybe today you see the Lord dancing over you and saying, it's time to be seated. You're standing in my spot. Does that make sense? Is that too harsh? That's for me more than anybody. When I get a compliment, I mean, I'm ready to take pictures. I'm like selfie 30. It doesn't look like that. You know, when we receive it, it probably looks like humility, honestly. Somebody tells me something good, I'm like, "Ah, brother, no, it's... That's all for Jesus. I'm like, he said I have the coolest hair he's ever seen on a pastor. All glory to God. Amen. Because pride does that. Pride hides and looks humble, you know. So today, here's your, you're in a tough spot. You're in failure. You are guilty. Be guilty. Let's just be, be one with it. Like, don't run from your guilt anymore. Be guilty. It's good to be guilty. It's good to be guilty because then there's a verdict, and when he's the one giving the verdict, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a gift. It's being in a courtroom and being guilty and then him being like, you're free to go, but I'm going with you. <laughs> I'm going with you. It's like an ultimate lawyer. He'll always be with you. It's like Bill following you around everywhere, <laughs> except for it's Jesus, which is better, Bill. I love you, but he's better. Next thing is you're winning and you're just listing all the things you're doing for the Lord. I don't want you to pray for humility because everybody in the Bible who prayed for humility was killed. So maybe don't do that. But just submit yourself before the Lord. Uh, submit yourself before the Lord and say, I'm yours. If I'm, if I'm good at anything, it's because of you. I don't want to do this in front of people anymore. Maybe if you're so good at stuff, and, and you're, maybe it's time for you to stand in the back of groups for a little while. Maybe it's time to sit at spots at a table where it's not important. Maybe it's time you stop parking in important parking places or demanding that you be heard and just letting the, 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 the Lord lead it. Amen? And then the last thing is we're going to pray for healing. This is, has nothing to do with this message other than if you want to receive healing from the Lord through anything like this, maybe a view of the Lord, but I feel like we're supposed to actually pray for people to be healed today, for actual healing. And so for some of you, you're like, finally, we're doing that again. And for some of you, you're like, oh, crap, that means i got to stand up. 
So here's, here's a stipulation for healing. Do you actually need healing? If you need healing, we want to pray for you. So if everybody will stand, if our, if our prayer teams will come to the front, Father, I just want to, I want to say thank you, God, that, that when we're awful and away from you, you do not exclude us from your love and from your joy. And as we talk about joy today, if you can just get a sense for how he feels towards you, you can have a deeper joy than if you do something good. And it can consume even your brokenness. So we pray that your joy, joy God, your chedra today would be something that we walk in to be known by you, to have our name written in your hand, as Isaiah says, to be known by you. It's better to be known by you than to do miracles and to do failure. In Jesus' name. And so today, Father, um, you're a healing God. These guys, we just read a chapter. These guys, it wasn't even a thing. Go heal people. Okay, I'll go heal people. I pray that today, God, that you would stir hearts and that you would stir passions and that you would stir faith and that you would stir transparency so that we can say, I need to be healed and I need my Savior to do it and I know that he can and I trust him. And if that happens to be you, we're gonna pray for you. Um, Actually, you know what we're going to do? If you need prayer for healing, we want people to come to you. So if, if you need prayer for healing, would you just lift your hand? We got Linda, Ryan, Noel, over here, all you guys. There's a whole row. <laughs> um, it might be one-on-one -on -one prayer. That's fine. Body of Christ is beautiful. You do not have to be a priest or a Levite to pray for someone else in here. So raise your hand again. And I will ask you to put them down as soon as everybody has people around them. Anybody out there that can go pray and love on somebody? Feel stirred to pray for somebody. Tell them what you need healing for and then let them pray for you. Anybody else that needs healing that we can just pray for? We can just believe in the Lord for this. There's three people over here. Now, if anybody wants to respond to what was just preached... Our, our altar teams are here. Jesus, we thank you, we trust you, and we ask you to be present with us today. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your word that breaks us. Thank you for your word that restores us. In Jesus' name we pray. Just respond for the next few moments. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.